0: I just want you to know how glad we are that uh, those of you on campus are here, those of you who are joining us online, those of you who are joining us later in the week on demand. We are so delighted to be able to tell you about who Jesus is and to be able to share in what He is doing here at home and around the world. It happened again this week, though. Um, Maybe you didn't catch it, but uh, in the media, there was another… Siding, if you would, of a failure. Uh, a nationally and internationally known pastor uh, was uh, asked to resign from his congregation because of some inappropriate behavior that was captured on social media. And it's become so commonplace anymore that it just kind of skips over our, our viewpoint and we, we just kind of go on with life as normal. But it's not just famous people, it's not just well known people. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, it can happen to anybody. Uh, and in fact, when Becky and I graduated from seminary and took our first church down in Tennessee, uh, we packed everything we owned, including our car, in a U-Haul truck. Now, if you can get your car and everything you own inside a U-Haul, first of all, it's a small car, all right? And secondly, you don't own much, right? And that's kind of who we were when we started there. And and after we got uh, settled into the parsonage that the church had for us and unloaded everything, it was my job to take the car, uh, the U-Haul truck, back and turn it in. And so, I drove it in, and I filled it up with gas on the way, and I checked the mileage, and I walked into the office, and, and I said to the lady, Here, here's the keys for the truck that we've used. We brought it from, from Indiana. Um, you should have all the paperwork. And she started filling out the paperwork. And she said, and what's the mileage? And I gave her the mileage, and then, and then she asked, did you fill it up with gas? And I said, yes, I filled it up with gas. And, and so, you know, and she said, okay, I need to check that. And she started out the door. And I realized, wait a minute, this this U-Haul dealership is two blocks from the church that I'm the new pastor, and and I'm going to be in this community. And so I, I, I introduced myself. I said, hey, listen, my name is Kerry Robinson. I'm the new pastor of the church just down the street. And, and honestly, I, I filled it up. Here's the receipt. Here's the mileage. You really, you're busy. If you don't need to check, it's okay. You can trust me. Now, as I'm saying all that, she's walking toward the truck, right? She's still going to do her job. And as she got to the door, I said the words, you can trust me. And when I said that to her, she stopped. I mean, midstream. Her head spun around like a sci-fi movie. I mean, it just whap. And she looked at me and she said, mister, the first person who ever rented a truck from me when I started doing this 10 years ago was a preacher. And he wrote me a check that is still bouncing today. It never cleared the bank. I want you to know, you being a preacher means nothing to me. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. I'm not going to invite you to church now. Um, I was about to, uh, but, but I, I just kind of backed up a little bit. And yet, over the years, I've, I've realized something, and particularly the last few months. Um, that you and I being Christians, you and I calling the name of Christ doesn't give us credibility with people anymore. And in fact, it may actually be the other way. And there's a tendency for many of us to throw our hands up in the air and say, hey, well, you know what? People don't trust us anymore and they should do better. But the fact is, maybe we should do better. Maybe there's a lack of trust in God's people because of the way God's people have acted. And as we start looking into the book of Acts and, and the great recalibration that God was doing in the life of His people through the birth of the church and, and the growth of the church, that we, we find a story, a, a story that lets us know that, that recalibration, when it starts in our heart, that, that, it, that it really influences the way we live and the way we act and the way we do business and the way we share life. And, and there's a story that, that's right Tucked in the middle of this recalibration, it's right between some of the miracles that are done and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the church. It's it stuck right in the middle of it, right after that place we talked about last week, where where the people had so much in common, and and Barnabas uh, Joseph from Cyprus, who was a Levite, that they called him Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Where he sold a piece of property and he brought it to the to the disciples, to the leaders of the church and, and said, hey, here, use this for people. Right right in, in the midst of that and before many of the miracles that take place, there's, there's a story, a story that we tend to overlook because it's a hard story. It's a story about integrity. It's a story that, that maybe is in the first century church because it needs to be in the 21st century church. Listen, listen as I read it from Acts chapter 5. I'll start reading it, verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Sounds like what Joseph from Cyprus did. And with his wife's knowledge, however, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it. And laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words... He fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife Sapphira came in, not knowing what had already taken place. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much, you and your husband. And she said, yes, that's how much we sold it for. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church. And upon all who heard of these things. Now, I I get it. There are a lot of questions out of this story. But the core of this story answers the questions. It answers the questions of of why Ananias had basically a total collapse, a heart attack, if you would, or a massive stroke. It answers the question of why Sapphira would have the same response to being confronted with their behavior. When you get to the core of the, of the issue, you, you discover that what this, this story is really about isn't about the money or the property. It's about integrity. It's, it's about honesty. It's about two people who all of their lives had known that God was a God who could be trusted, that God was someone who was doing great things. These are followers of Jesus Christ. They're part of the 10,000 people now in Jerusalem at this point in time who are followers of Jesus because of the testimony of the apostles. They're people who had fellowship with Barnabas and others in the church, else they would not have known about this practice of of selling their possessions voluntarily, Not, not out of coercion, but voluntarily Voluntarily saying, hey, you know what? What is mine? I want to share with others. And and so these two people, this Ananias and Sapphira, they had known it all their life. You say, how do you know that? Because Ananias' name means Jehovah gives graciously. I want you to think about that. All of his life, every time somebody called his name, every time his mom talked to him, every time his brothers called his name, every time somebody, a teacher in class, when they called Ananias, he heard, God, Jehovah, gives graciously. All of his life, he had heard, God provides. All of his life, he had heard, God gives graciously. God gives graciously is his name. And by the way, Sapphira, her name means beautiful. So you've got this couple and their name is basically that Jehovah God gives graciously and in beauty. And now they have what God has given to them and they see other people who are taking what is theirs and they're selling it and they're giving it to help others. And so they want to do the same, except for one thing. See, when their heart was recalibrated by their by their experience of Jesus Christ, as we talked about last week, that Jesus always starts by recalibrating our hearts. Our hearts are the core of our being. Our hearts are the, are the depths of our soul. Our heart means in the scriptures, it doesn't just mean like that, that muscle that beats in your chest. It means the core of your being. And so in their heart, they, they wanted to do right, and yet, and yet they didn't. Now, I want you to understand something. When God begins to do something great in the world, He recalibrates our hearts and He recalibrates our integrity. And recalibrating our integrity, please hear me, it doesn't mean that we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we make no mistakes. No, it simply means that we're honest with God about who we are. We're honest with God about everything that's going on. And the the part of this story that is the core that helps us understand the entire process is the understanding that Ananias and Sapphira refused to be honest with God and with themselves. They wanted other people to think more of them than they thought of themselves. They wanted wanted other people to think better of them. I I don't know if that's something that you, you have ever been tempted to do. But there are a whole lot of people who are tempted that way. Maybe you're one of them. And what you need to know is that In order for God to recalibrate your individual life, in order for God to recalibrate the church, in order for God to recalibrate the world, we have to learn that integrity, integrity, it starts in our hearts, and and it starts with choosing to be honest with God in our heart, choosing to be honest with him about all that we're doing and about what's taking place in our life. Did you hear the way Peter said it to him? Listen. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Here's the important part. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, here's here's what you've got to catch. Did you hear it? What Peter said to him was, look, Ananias, it was your land. Ananias, as long as you had that land, it was yours. There was not a problem with you owning the land. And Ananias, when you sold the land, there was no problem with you keeping part of it for yourself. There was no problem with that. The problem is you told everybody you were giving everything. You told everybody that you were giving all of it, when in reality, you were keeping it back. In fact, the the words that are used to describe the process of keeping it back, actually, this money could have been kept back for very good reasons. I mean, Ananias and Sapphira may have had a daughter that they were going to keep that money back because part of that keeping back a part of it is the same kind of language that's used to talk about a dowry that would be given when your daughter got married. Or maybe maybe it was the money that had been given when Sapphira and Ananias got married, and it was her dowry. And, and it was her money, and, and so they were, they, together as a husband and wife, they'd purchased this property, and, and now they were selling it, and so they're going to keep back the original part. There's nothing wrong with any of that, Peter says. Peter says, look, you could have kept a part of it back. That's not the problem. The problem is you told everybody you were giving everything. The problem is you saw how everybody reacted to Joseph from Cyprus. The problem is, you saw how everybody adulated him, how everybody said what a great guy he was, and so you wanted to be like that. And so you weren't honest. You weren't honest with yourself, and you weren't honest with God. See, when God recalibrates our hearts, what he's he's saying is, "I I need you to come into a relationship with me where you are constantly, always honest. With me, and that that is the core of integrity and integrity that that starts with that kind of honesty it, it builds healthy relationships it, it, it doesn 't build dysfunction it, it doesn 't build codependence it, it builds healthy relationships, and this relationship was unhealthy because sapphira. Says to Ananias, you know what? Yep, that, that's what we need to do. Which we're gonna we're gonna let everybody think it's everything they contrive this in their hearts, and, and that's why Peter was able to look at them. Because have you ever wondered how Peter knew what they had done? Did somebody like see it and and snitch on them? How did Peter know what was? Did Peter have some kind of mystical opportunity? Did the Holy Spirit give him discernment and insight? Or maybe, maybe it was because Peter knew what it was. Maybe, maybe he recognized their spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit helped him see in Ananias and Sapphira what he had been like. Because don't you remember? Peter is the one who had told Jesus before Jesus was arrested, if everybody else leaves you, I'll never leave you. And then he denied that he even knew Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. He knew what it was to promote an image. He knew what it was to be dishonest with yourself. He knew what what it was to be a person who who was not a person of integrity. It took Jesus coming after him, after the resurrection. It took Jesus saying to him, hey, Peter, do you love this more than, than these? Do you love me more than you love your past? Do you love me more than you love your future? Do you love me more than you love all the things of your life? Do you love me more than anything? Are you being honest with me? Peter knew. Peter understood. Peter looked at Ananias and Sapphira and said, why in the world are you doing this? Why are you letting your relationship be so dysfunctional? See, you can't have healthy relationships with others if you have an unhealthy relationship with God and with yourself. I still do lots of weddings, and for every wedding that's done by any of our pastors or directors here at Eastside Church, it's a requirement by our leadership here that, that every couple who's married, either here in the sanctuary or, or anywhere on our campus or at any venue, if one of our pastors is involved in it or if it happens in our facility, it's been a requirement long before I became pastor that, that those couples have premarital counseling. When I'm doing the premarital counseling, there's, there's something I say to every couple. Every time. No secrets. No lies. No no hidden things in the past. No things that you're just going to keep for yourself. Now, if you're going to marry somebody, then everything's on the table. Everything's out in the open. You You have to be honest. Healthy relationships depend upon the integrity of the communication between the people. If you're hiding something from somebody, if you're lying to yourself about something, there's no integrity involved. And what and, and, and what I, I have been amazed at is every time I say that, couples kind of go, okay, right? The greatest test of it came one, one year when I got a, I got a phone call on, <laughs> on a Monday from a groom who was getting married on Saturday. And he said, we need an emergency appointment now. I'm like, what? Today, this afternoon? I was oh, said, okay. And so I cleared my calendar, and they came in, and, and they came in, and she sat down, and he sat down, and he goes, you said no secrets. I said, that's right. She kept a secret. She goes, but it's not a bad secret. He said, it's still a secret. I didn't know this until this morning. And I'm like, what in the world are we talking about? He goes, you tell him. And, and she looked up at me, just real kind of timid, and she goes, well, it's not a bad thing, pastor. I said, what, what do you mean? She goes, I have money. I'm like, yeah, I've got money too. She goes, no, 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 Pastor, I have money. I said, what do you mean you have money? She said, Pastor, have you ever heard of the First National Bank of Detroit? I said, yeah. She goes, that was my grandpa. Oh, you have money, money. Yeah. And he goes, see, Pastor, it's a secret. She goes, well, I just didn't want to tell him because I wanted to make sure he was, he was marrying me for me. I'm like, so how much money are we talking about? They told me a figure I can't repeat because we're online. I'm just telling you. And I looked at her and I said, wow, why would you keep that a secret? She said, because all my life there have been people who loved me for that and not for who I am. So you said no, no secrets before we got married. We're not married yet. I told him. They recently celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary. God has been good to them. But can I tell you, no secrets. Healthy relationships, healthy relationships depend on integrity. Look at the way Peter said it. After an interval of about three hours, Sapphira, Ananias' wife, came in. She obviously doesn't know what had happened. And so Peter said to her, tell me, whether you sold the land for so much? And she said, yes, for so much. See, there there was that that ability to lie for each other that's not integrity. They had agreed together. If we're going to let God recalibrate our lives and start with our hearts, then, then the next step is to have this kind of honesty and this kind of integrity that marks us for who we are, because here's what I know. Here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Integrity influences with greater impact than image projection. Integrity integrity influences more people. It influences for a longer period of time. It, in, it influences a culture. It influences a city. It influences your neighbors. The integrity of your heart works itself out in your life. And so what what this story is told to us for is because the early church, the first century church learned very early on in the midst of the earliest days of the church that if you don't have an integrity in your heart, if you don't let God recalibrate your heart, if you don't live with integrity, even if you give a massive amount of money or even if you do great things for God, even if you do all of these marvelous things, if you don't have this integrity with God and integrity with yourself, you you are not going to make it. There used to be a company here in town that had an advertising slogan. I appreciated it so much. It simply said this. You advertise an image, but you earn a reputation. And I want you to know that part of the reason that the Christian community doesn't have the respect of the wider community right now is because we have not been people who have lived with an integrity that produces a greater impact than the images we produce. And by the way, image project, projection was around long before Instagram. It, it was around a long before Twitter, a long before Facebook. By the way, you have noticed that the general tendency of people on social media is to tell you the best part of them, right? I mean, you, you get very few pictures on there of what somebody looks like when they really wake up in the morning, all right? And you get very few pictures on there of people who, you know, they've not taken a filter. I mean, there have been times I've met people who I've, you know, on social media, I've seen them, and I'm like, is this the same person? And and what the world is wanting to know from us as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, is are we willing to have an integrity in our heart? Are we willing to know that God loves us so much? That's why when peter confronted her how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the lord behold the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last the same response her husband had this overwhelming sense of oh my goodness that produced either a heart attack or a stroke no one's ever actually sure what we know is that, that the intensity of being confronted with their lie with their lack of integrity overwhelmed them physically, and they died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And here's the phrase, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. And that word that's translated fear, it's not just like fright. It's fear and awe and reverence. It's this sense of we're a part of something bigger than we thought. This is something that has real implications. This is something that really is about how I live. And that's why the story is included in Luke's journal of the growth of the church. Is because the church came to understand that when God recalibrates our life, and he starts with our hearts, then he starts recalibrating our integrity. And we have to be men and women, boys and girls, people of God, who, who have that sense of honesty in our heart. And don't give in to the temptation to just, let, to just project an image that other people think of us. I, I I grew up in a pastor's home my father was a pastor from the time I was born until his death my sons were born into pastors this pastor's home there's been a phrase in our family for our entire my entire life both growing up and as a dad because we publicly speak because my father and myself we, we we've always been people in the public eye and one of the things that we've always that was true of my father with my brothers and true of me with my sons is how many Sunday afternoons I'd walk into the house, or how many times my father would walk into the house and say, boys, did I say something I'm not living? Did I I teach something I can't live out? Now, I told you, it's it's not about perfection. Integrity is not about perfection. But it's about sincerity and honesty. It's about being known. Why is that so important? Because because integrity is a matter of life and death to God. Your integrity is a matter of your eternal life or your eternal separation from God. And so when we start asking God to recalibrate us, we've we've got to ask him to make us honest with ourselves first and then honest with others.